So we start off at first, first Timothy chapter two, and it begins with this. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that's important. I exhort, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, meaning petitions, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made to all men, for kings and for all who are in authority over us. That means uh, our president, President Obama. We should be praying for him. We should be lifting up prayers for him. Even if you didn't vote for him, that doesn't matter, okay? God says all people in authority were all to offer up prayer. For all kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Four things are mentioned right here from Paul to Timothy. He talks about four types of prayer. Supplications, request, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks. Intercession is one of the things that I want to look at tonight and discuss because intercession is a specific prayer for someone or even for a multitude of people, for a nation. You know, when I think about intercession, I go back to my mom over me. She prayed for years over my life, thinking, you know, asking God, God, lead my son on the right path. Take him away from this path of destruction, which I was on, and in a fast, in a hurry. Lead him back to the path of truth in you. And uh, it is my belief and my firm belief that I am the person I am today, and I am in the position that I am today because of the prayers of my mother. I firmly, firmly believe that. However, in the Bible, whenever we start looking at it and we start studying it, we see many different types of intercession, many types of prayer for people. Uh, and that's one of the things we're going to look at in Scripture tonight. So um, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn, and you can turn to it, because we won't read a whole lot from it, but uh, Exodus 32 is the first one I really want to look at. Moses is up on the mountain. The people have just been delivered from Egypt. They've just been taken out of bondage, saw God decimate the world's greatest empire of that day with miraculous signs and wonders, part of the Red Sea, allowed the Israelites to pass through and shut the Red Sea over, over the, uh, the Egyptian chariots and horses. And it's not but about a month that transpires between that time and between this and right here. And Moses go, goes up on the mountain. And God says, come up, Moses. And, and on this mountain, Moses receives the revelation of the law and God's expectation for this, this newly formed nation, okay? Um, however, it wasn't very long that Moses went up on the mountain. The children of Israel turned to, to Aaron, Moses' brother, and says, make for us a God. Make for us something that we can worship. We don't know where this Moses is. He's been up there so long now, we don't, really don't know what's happened. Make for us a God. And in their hearts, at that moment, they turned back to Egypt. Because Egypt, we see right here, is a type of the world. And they went back to the old way of the, of the way they were doing things. It's very interesting, as a side note, um, the calf or the bull was one of the Egyptian gods. And that's why they formed a, 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 an image, an idol of, of gold in the form of a bull. Uh, very interesting that that, that happened. Archaeologically speaking, um, you have, which is in current-day Saudi Arabia, where now they're thinking that that's actually the, the spot from Mount Sinai. Traditionally, it's been in the, the Sinai Peninsula, but um, 
not so much more because they don't think that anymore because of the fact they found some really interesting archaeological evidences in Saudi Arabia, right off the coast of the Red Sea. Uh, for instance, the charred top of the mountain, which, which they once thought it was an volcan- old, old expired volcano, which happened not to be the case. They went up there and they, they checked out some of the big bold, boulders that looked like volcanic rock, black and, and molded. Um, but however, they chopped through a couple of them and opened them up and it was solid granite. So something with such a fervent heat had to descend upon that mountain, which the Bible tells us that God descended in, in, in a fire surrounded by a cloud. Not to mention right at the foot of this mountain, they find uh, what appears to be an altar of raised rocks. And on the side of these altars, they have uh, etched, still to this day, I've seen pictures of them, etched carvings of calves and bulls all over this, this uh this rock altar that was raised up, and uh, Saudi Arabian archaeologists were, were consulted about that, and they said, this is nothing of this error, this, this far back from Saudi Arabia. This is distinctly Egyptian. That's, that's what the archaeologist uh, told the researchers. So I thought that was very, very interesting. But it was at this altar that the, the Israelites turned in their heart back to Egypt and started worshiping a false god. They begin to indulge in pagan revelry. Aaron, the funny thing is, who was going to become the high priest shortly, is the one they go to and they say, make us a god. So Aaron says, okay, give me all your gold. And it's kind of, it's, it's not funny, it's sad because Aaron was quick to pass the buck whenever Moses confronted him. He said, uh, you know, Moses, I just took the people's gold, I did what they wanted me to, and I just put it into the fire and out came this calf. You know, magically, it magically appeared, Right. No, Aaron, you formed the calf. Okay, just take responsibility. Don't pass the buck. So they begin to do this. And God tells Moses, get down off the mountain. Go to these people, for they've already corrupted themselves. Already, it's only been a month since they've seen my majesty, they've seen my power, and they've beginning to already do these things again. And God was angry. God was very, very angry. Let's look in uh, Exodus 32, verse 30. And this is what Moses did. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, so now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made a made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of the book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whomever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now therefore go and lead the people of which I have spoken to you. Moses interceded on behalf of the people, which God was ready to destroy right then and there. And you know what? God heard Moses' prayer, and he respected Moses' prayer. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy is a book in the Bible which basically means the second law, or or the second giving of the law. It's basically a recap of all the things that happened in Exodus leading up to this. Deuteronomy chapter 9. And this references uh, what we we just looked at in Exodus.
Let's start off in Deuteronomy 9, starting off with 18. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first. Forty days and forty nights, I neither ate bread nor drank water. Moses fasted before the Lord for these people. And this is absolutely a supernatural fast because we know the extent of, of man's ability to go without water. A supernatural fast right here. Because of all your sin which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him from anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure with, with, the Lord, with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at this time also. So here we see Moses intercedes once again for the children of Israel. And God listens. God heeds his voice. Verse 20 right here. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron. Why was he angry with Aaron? Well, Aaron was, was the chief one amongst them, making the God, making the, the false image out of gold. And, and the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron at that time also. We see not only Moses, did Moses pray for the Israelites, but he also prayed for his brother Aaron. And what happened? God forgave Aaron as Moses interceded on his behalf. As Moses stood in the gap and prayed, and prayed God have mercy on them. God listened and heeded the voice of a man. Very important for us to notice. Let's go to Numbers chapter 12. Y'all stay with me here, y'all. I know we're reading scripture, but this is, we're going somewhere, okay? Numbers chapter 12. Now, Miriam, which was Moses' sister, and Aaron, Moses' brother, begin to complain about Moses because they married a woman that they didn't, they didn't like or they didn't think that Moses should have married, an Ethiopian woman, the, the Bible tells us. And God heard. God heard what they said. And then he says in, in, in uh, chapter 12, Then Miriam and Aaron, Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had just married. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken also through us? Verse 4, suddenly the Lord came to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down on the pillar of cloud and stood at the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and both went forward. Uh, we can read, let's read the rest a little bit later. Uh, verse 9, go back and read 6 through 8 if, you, if you'd like later. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned towards Miriam, and there she was, a leper. Now, if you know anything about leprosy, uh, it's not a big deal today. Back in that day, that was a death sentence, and a slow and painful death sentence. Literally, your skin would begin to fall off your bones, and your flesh would begin to rot. It was a death sentence. So Moses said to Aaron, O my Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, so Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, which we have done foolishly, in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one of the dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. 
And we know the rest of the story. God said to Miriam, outside of the camp for seven days, at the end of the seventh day, she was healed, she was restored. Because of Moses' prayer on behalf of Miriam, at Aaron's request, Aaron requested Moses to pray to, for forgiveness, the Lord responded and healed Miriam and forgave her because of the prayer of a man. God's will was to kill Miriam right there with leprosy because of the things that he's spoken against his servant Moses. Man interceded. Man stood in the gap, and God relented because of man's prayer. Numbers 14. Um, the people begin to rebel. They speak of stoning Moses, Aaron, and the spies. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Matter of fact, they said to themselves, Away with this Moses and Aaron. Let us choose for, ourself an, choose for ourselves another leader who will lead us back into Egypt. Once again, Egypt being a type of the world, they turn in their hearts to go back to the world. Because of this, Matter of fact, let, let, let's read it, because this is good. Let's start off uh, Numbers 14, verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me with all the signs I have performed amongst them? I will strike them with a pestilence and disinherit them. That's, an, that's a very powerful word. I will disinherit these people, meaning banish them away. And I will make of you, speaking to Moses, a nation greater and mightier than they. Moses begins to pray. And I, I want to come down here to verse 17. And this is what Moses is speaking to the Lord. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, this is, and this is kind of cool right here, because Moses references back to what God told him on the mountain about who he was. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of these people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have, just as you have forgiven the, this people from Egypt even until now. This is the cool thing right here. This is what God says to Moses. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. According to your prayer, Moses, on behalf of these people, because of your intercession and your standing in the gap, that's why I've pardoned these people. Not because of what I want to do, because we just know what God wants to do. He wants to disinherit them, banish them. He was done. It's like, how much power, how, much, how many signs do you have to see to realize that I'm a, I'm a provider? I'm going, to give, I'm, I'm going to give and I'm going to provide. I'm going to sustain you. And yet you continuously, continuously are rebellious and want to turn around. God wants to say, I'm done. But because of a prayer of a man, God relented and went forward. Second Chronicles. We don't have to turn here. Um, chapter, it's in chapter 30. We find it. King Hezekiah, king of Judah. Uh, there's a great revival that's going on, okay? And uh, Hezekiah institutes the Feast of Passover again. Now, this has been the first time the Passover had been celebrated in years. They hadn't done anything like this. It says all the people from all the land came and celebrated Passover. However, there were some people in the crowd who did not uh, prepare themselves, as God had said in, in the book of Exodus, on how to prepare yourself for the Passover, how to be ceremonially clean before you come to eat the Passover. So some people just came, didn't do the proper footwork, and ate the Passover, which was forbidden. It was absolutely forbidden. And God was angry. 
Hezekiah, and I'm paraphrasing here, goes to God and says, God, these people did this out of ignorance. It's a, it, was a, it was a sin done out of ignorance. They're here to, 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 to reunite and establish relationship back with you again. And because of Hezekiah's prayer, once again, the Lord forgave their iniquity. He forgave their sin that was done in ignorance. We see this again. Um, Numbers 21. Let's, let's, let's take a look at that one. And this is probably one of my favorite, uh, my favorite instances of intercession. Numbers 21. Let's start off in verse uh, 4. Then they, being, being the Jewish nation, journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to the ground uh, to, um, to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged along the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out here out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, there is no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. What was this worth, worthless bread they were speaking of right here? It was the manna from heaven that God was, was giving them from, for, for their sustenance, for their livelihood. Matter of fact, if you go, back, go, go forward and read in the New Testament in John chapter 6, Jesus Christ says, I am the bread which came from heaven. I am the bread that, that the Father gave from heaven. So basically what they were doing is they were throwing it back in his face, this worthless bread that we can't stand. It's loathsome to us. They were rejecting God's salvation over their lives. In essence, they were rejecting Christ. Unknowingly at the time, that's what they were doing. And God said, okay, that's what you want. That's what's going to happen. He sent fiery serpents among them and bit the people and tormented them. And I, just go, go in your mind's eye to that. All of a sudden, you're in the middle of the wilderness. And out of nowhere, all these snakes start attacking the community. It had to have been a very, very fearful sight. And a fiery serpent refers to the fact that their bite burns like fire until death. You'll be tormented until your death. So let's see what, it, what, what goes on here in verse 7. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he, he takes away the serpents from us. So once again, Moses prayed for the people. And God said, Make the image of a fiery serpent, bronze. Put it up on a pole and walk throughout the community. And whoever looks upon this, this bronze image of the serpent will be healed. Well, we know that Jesus references in John chapter 3, Verses 14, he says that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so I will be lifted up. And whoever believes in me, whoever looks upon me will have eternal life. You see, this was a type. This was, this was a, a type and shadow of the things that were to come. The bronze represented in the Old Testament judgment. The snake represented the curse that was upon mankind. For all of us have been bitten by the snake. Even if we weren't there in that desert, we've all been bitten by that snake and been poisoned. For all have sinned. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ became a curse for us. For cursed is anyone who hangs upon a tree. So he says, Jesus took the place of that curse. And now whoever looks upon him can be free from the poison of that venomous bite. That poison which leads us unto death in a spiritual way. Let's fast forward. Luke 22, verses 31 through 32. Do you know that Jesus prayed for Peter specifically? 20, uh, Luke 22, 31 through 32. 
And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. This is not something that we're familiarized in our society, sifting wheat. But basically what it was, it was a, it was a, basically a, a big bowl, a flat bowl, and they would put the wheat in there with the chaff, which the chaff is what you don't want. You want to take the chaff off. So what they would do is they would, they would throw up the wheat in the bowl, and it would fall back down. The wheat would fall down, and the chaff would be blown away by the wind. And this is how they, they would cleanse the wheat. Basically, Jesus said, Peter, this is what Satan wants to do to you. He wants to separate you from the wheat and separate you, basically a representative of the body, the church. He wants to separate you and take you away. But this is what Jesus says. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, return from what? When you have returned to me, return from the denial of his Savior, the abandoning of of everything he believed to be true in in a moment of trial and temptation, and turned away. When you have returned to me, Jesus says, strengthen the brethren. Strengthen. Jesus prayed for Peter. You know, Jesus prayed for us. If you know Jesus Christ... If you're born again and you're a follower and a disciple of Christ, Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for me. It's found in John chapter 17. Fascinating prayer. Fascinating. We're not going to read the whole thing. I just want to jump around a little bit. Verse 11. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them through your name. Those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Protection. Being kept by the hand of God. Jesus prayed that over us. Verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Jesus prayed a prayer of protection, of spiritual protection over our lives, so that Satan cannot have free reign over us. Verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. Make them holy. Make them set apart. Take them away from everything else and make them holy and set apart by you. Jesus prayed for us to be holy. In verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, meaning the immediate ones, that, his immediate disciples who were with him at that time, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. We believe in Christ through the words of the apostles and through the writings of the apostles and the first disciples of, of Christ. So he prayed for us. Jesus prayed for us. You know, prayer is a mysterious thing, very mysterious thing, because the fact of the matter is the Bible tells us time and time again, God is sovereign. You know what that means? It means God's going to have his way and his will no matter what man has to say about it. He's going to have his will and his counsel will stand. Nothing will get in the way. Nothing can get in the way. But time and time again in Scripture, we see God listening to the prayers of men the intercessions of men, and responding, responding appropriately according to their prayer. It's a mysterious thing. So I have a question. What would have happened if Moses had not prayed for Israel? What would have happened, what would have been different if he had not prayed for his brother Aaron? Or if he had not prayed for Miriam? What if Hezekiah didn't pray for the Jews who had inappropriately eaten the Passover? What would have been different if Jesus hadn't prayed for Peter? What would it be different if Jesus hadn't prayed for us? God is sovereign. 
but he allows you and I to intercede for people, and it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Again, where would, I, where would I be without the prayers of my mother? I certainly don't think I'd be where I am today without the prayers and the covering of my mom who prayed over me, Lord, save my son. Bring him back. Save my son. Prayer makes a difference. And what a privilege we have to intercede. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to read it to us again. 1 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Therefore, I encourage, first of all, that supplications, petitions, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Interesting thing right here. You know what this word right here in the Greek means? Who desires all men? This Greek word all. You know what that means in the Greek? All. Not some. All. All men would, come to be, uh, would be saved and come to knowledge of God. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all, that word again, all, for everyone to be testified in due time. I believe one of the most important prayers we can ever pray is for the salvation of another, another human. Matter of fact, I think it's not only the most important, but I believe it's one of the most powerful prayers that we can pray is for that salvation and, and the, coming to, the coming to knowing and having the fellowship with Jesus Christ. But you may, you may say to me, Kobe, how can we be certain? How can we be certain that God will honor the, the prayers that we pray and, you know, respond to our prayers and our petitions? You know, we're not Moses. Moses had a special relationship with God. Sure, God would listen to Moses. You know, we weren't, we weren't a king of ancient Israel, ancient Judah. You know, he listened to them. Yeah, granted, he was a king. We're certainly not Jesus Christ. God honored the prayers of Christ. How do we know? That God will honor our prayers and answer our prayers. This is found in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. One of my favorite verses. And Jim last week uh, referenced this passage. It's great. <coughs> this is what it says. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of from him. So what is God's will? What is God's will? How, how do we know God's will so we can pray according to God's will and know that if we pray according to God's will, according to the Apostle John right here, that he hears us. And if he hears us, he answers us. Let's take a look, a look at a few places. The one I just read, 1 Timothy 2.4. God, who desires all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. It is God's will for men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek 
and to save that which was lost. I think that that was Jesus's uh, primary mission. That was like his mission statement. I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. All the way back in Ezekiel, probably 600 years before Christ, roughly, this is God speaking through Ezekiel. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? So I have a question for you tonight. Is it God's will that people are saved? Is it? Is it God's will that men turn from their, from their destructive ways and turn unto him? Is that his will? Yes. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. This people should take our faith in the prayers that we pray to the highest level possible. When interceding on behalf of a family member, a lost friend, uh, you know, lost co-workers, we should have full and, and complete expectation that God will answer that prayer. No matter how reckless they may seem, no matter how proud or how arrogant or how godless they are in their life, we don't walk, walk by what we see. We walk by faith. And let me tell you something. We can have faith that the prayers that we pray for our loved ones and our friends, for their salvation, for their coming to know Christ, will be answered in full according to the word of God. And God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he a man that, that he, he can lie. God's word is truth, and, he, and through his apostle John, the one of the only apostles that was not martyred, nor could they martyr him. I think the story is that they tried, they attempted to boil John in oil, and miraculously they couldn't. And Nero was fearful. He was like, dude, send him away. And therefore he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. This is John who's writing this. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have the petitions granted that we have asked of him. Prayer makes a difference. You know, so many times we think of prayer as just a spiritual duty. You know, I just, oh, well, I have to wake up early and, and, and pray, you know. Or oh, I'm about to go to bed. Well, hold on, I didn't pray today, so I guess I have to get on my knees and, and pray before God. It is not just a spiritual duty. That's something that's kind of taken over here. I, I, I don't know when exactly, but it has been, it, it has been my, my, my kind of stance for a while in my life, my early Christian life. Like, oh, I've got to pray. That's, I find that's how often the church looks towards the, 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 uh, the, the means of grace of prayer. However, it's not just a spiritual duty. It is literally the power to change eternal destinies in people's lives. If we would understand it in that fashion, prayer wouldn't be such a task to get before God and, and be in our faces and pray for the lost friends and family, lost co-workers, lost community, lost people in the nation, lost people in the nations all over the world. You ever thought that sometimes, ever think this, that someone's eternal destiny could lie? Not in your ability and not in your knowledge of the gospel and your ability to witness and bring the gospel out to people? You ever think that someone's eternal destiny may lie? Not in the fact that we can invite them to church and they come to church and get a thrill of their leg because the music's so great and the preaching's so awesome. But someone's eternal destiny can lie in the fact that you get on your face before God, and as Moses did time and time again in the Old Testament, stand in the gap for that person who's lost and going to hell and say, God, save this person. I, I stand on their behalf. Open the, open the eyes of their heart that so they may see you they may know you and change their path from, he from, from hell to heaven? Because that's exactly what prayer does. 
That's exactly the power of prayer. How many souls would have had a different eternity if just one person would have stood in the gap for him? I don't know the answer to that question, but I ponder that. Someone who has never had anybody to pray over them and to intercede for them on their behalf. How many people's eternal destiny would have went from an eternity separated from God in the most unbelievable torment for all eternity versus heaven? How many people's life would have been changed? You know, today I actually got another testimony to the power of prayer, which is awesome. Uh, a coworker I had talked to a couple of times who believed that uh, all religions lead to God, that there is no right religion or no wrong religion. All religions are equal and all, always lead to God. And we had a little discussion, and I said, you know, well, what if one religion tells you that it is by your good works. You have to give, you have to sacrifice, you have to be a good person. You can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, and that's how we're right with God. Versus what, say, another religion like Christianity may say is that it is by grace through faith and faith alone that we're made right with God, that God accepts us. How do you reconcile the two? And this is just a little bit of our conversation we have, and she really couldn't answer it. And she initially wanted to say, well, one has to be wrong, but she caught, she caught herself before she slipped because it would just discounted her world vision, her world philosophy. I told her, I said, listen. I didn't preach to her, but I said, listen, read the gospel. Take it upon yourself to go read the gospel of Luke, and you see what Jesus Christ says about the exclusiveness of who he is and how he indeed is the only way to eternal life. And you can judge that on its face, whether it's true or false, whatever you want to believe, but don't make this mistake that it's, it's a wide open feel good. Jesus, Jesus states emphatically that it's not. We had another conversation. She had talked to her, her um, aunt, who was a priestess in the Episcopal Church, I want to say. And she was kind of answered to come back and talk to me. I could tell whenever we talked, and this wasn't yesterday, this was about a month ago. And she proceeded to tell me that faith or religion was merely a vehicle to get you to God. It doesn't matter what vehicle you're riding in, as long as you're in that vehicle, it gets you to God. And that's what religion is, all different religions. And I said, hmm, that's pretty interesting. So, well, what would happen if you're in a vehicle and you're trying to get to Washington, D.C., yet you're heading southwest? You're heading a complete different opposite direction of Washington, D.C. Would you ever get to Washington? And she smiled because she knew exactly where I was getting at. And she said, no, I wouldn't get to Washington. I said, it very much matters what direction and what car you're riding in. It's not all equal. Today, she stops me in the hallway and she said, Kobe, she said, man, listen, I've just been to Praise Church. And oh, my gosh, it is so awesome. I mean, I just can't believe it. I said, really? I said, who, who brought you? She was like, no one. She said, I just decided to go and check it out. I said, well, man. I said, Christy, that is awesome. I said, man, well, you plan on going back? She said, yeah, this is my second weekend I've been. And my mind is like blown because immediately after our conversations, you know, the first thing I did, God, save her soul. Lord, open the eyes of her heart that she may see you and know you who for you really are. And let me tell you something. I don't believe that it's 100% because I prayed for her, but I do know that God honored my request and moved on that girl's heart because someone chose to stand in the gap and someone chose to stand and pray for someone and intercede for someone to pull them out of hell and put them on the path towards righteousness is only found in Jesus Christ.
That's, my most, that, that's the current one. But it's been a few months now. We had, Amber and I had one of our friends we worked with. And uh, good girl, sweet girl. And we kind of, Amber had kind of been ministering to her a little bit and, and talking to her about the things of God a little bit. And together we started praying. We said, Lord, open her, the eyes of her heart that she may see you. Open her, her heart that she may know who you are outside of religion. We don't want no religious experience. We want the real deal, Jesus. Save her soul, Lord God. Reveal yourself to her in a way that you've never had before. And Amber invited her to church one Wednesday night. And just so happened that Wednesday night I was teaching. And that morning, the Lord just really impressed upon my heart that fast for her. Go this whole day without, without food or drink and, and fast for her. And I called Amber. I said, Amber, I said, this is what the Lord told me. I said, would you fast with me and pray for Marla? She said, yes, I will. And it wasn't, but I don't know, a couple of months later, she's all of a sudden sitting in this church, Wednesday nights and Sundays, getting plugged in to servant leadership here at the church, and God's taking her to places right now in her spiritual walk that I don't, I don't think she's seen before and she knows before. God honored there was simple petition on behalf of a human soul and said, Lord, Reveal yourself to her and save her. Show her who you are. And God honored that. He honored it. So my question to you tonight, and I don't want you to answer out loud, who are you interceding for? Who are you getting on your face before God for and praying frequently, God, save their soul? Turn them from hell to heaven, Lord. How many people do you have on your prayer list that you bring before God on a regular basis and say, Lord, save them? If you haven't been, if that has not been your regular practice, I want to encourage you, start. Because it could very well mean the difference between heaven and hell in the lives of those you love. And I'm not overstating this, people. I'm not. It's something that's very powerful. It's very important. And God honors it. He uses it. If you have been, great. Go forward with renewed faith that God's desire is to save people. And he answers prayers according to his will. And if it's God's will to save and you pray according to God's will, that person will be saved. Have faith for that stubborn, arrogant, godless relative or mother or father, brother, sister, friend, who you believe he's completely outside of the realm of God ever being able to get close to him. Pray for that person more and bombard heaven with intercession on that person's behalf. God will honor your prayer. As we see, prayer is not just some religious duty. It is literally the power to bring forth the things that are not and make them into a reality. For if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and grants the requests that we ask. Amen? So tonight, before we dismiss, anybody up here have a name on this, this cross? Somebody you're hoping that God will save their soul? And if you don't have somebody's name on this cross and you want to put it up here, now's a good time. Come put it up. Because you know what I want us to do tonight before we dismiss, if we can? Let, it, let us as believers, as, as a people who believe in prayer and believe that the impact that, that prayer has on people's eternal destinations, let us gather to this cross tonight for a minute or two and just lift up these people's names and ask that God would save them and God, God would, would change their eternal destiny. Can we do that tonight? Let's do it right now. 
Amen. We have cards and we have pens here. If you want to pin somebody's name up here right now, that's fine. But they don't have to be up here on this cross. They can be in our heart and God, God hears our heart and he knows our heart. So let's just pray right now. Father, as your word says, Lord God, we are to give petition, Lord God, and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving from men, Lord God. So we thank you for these names on the cross, Lord. We know, Father, that is your will, Lord God, to save. For you've come, Jesus, to seek and to save that which was lost. So, Father, we just stand in the gap for these people right now, Lord God. We stand in the gap of intercession. We bring their names before you on high, oh Lord God. And we just pray, Father, save their souls, Lord God. Reveal yourself to them in a way that they've never known before. Outside of a religious experience, outside of their own religious uh, philosophy and practices, Father, show them who you are as the true God, the true creator of heaven and earth, who sent your son to die and to take our places, Father God, so that we may live freely. We may live freely and forever with you in freedom, Father. So, Father, we just ask you right now, Lord, save these souls, Lord God. Save the souls that are pinned upon this cross and the souls who are not that we're praying for in the meantime, Father. Lord, open the eyes of their hearts that they may see you. And Holy Spirit, we pray right now, go to them and quicken their hearts, Lord God, and draw them unto you. Draw them unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Just thank you, Lord God, for you are faithful to your word, and your word is true. You're faithful to your word, Lord, and your word is truth. So we just ask these things, Lord God, in your precious son's name, Jesus' name, we pray. Let salvation be brought to these people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming tonight, and thank you for for listening to the word. Josh, are you closing us out? Oh, well, just thank you. We're dismissed, y'all, and be blessed, and y'all have a great evening. Thank y'all.